Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that is given to us today. You have made a way for us. <clears throat> You've made a way for us in our sinfulness that we might find Jesus. You've made a way for us that we might be your people. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We praise you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you who are here today. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here at our 1030 service. If you have your Bibles, find your place today in Genesis, Genesis chapter number 29. If you're joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We miss you. We pray for you to be with us when you can, and we hope you will. Look forward to seeing all of you this coming weekend. Family Life Weekend will be a lot of fun. Uh, it'd be like a giant, big family reunion that we all join together as uh, the families of First Baptist Church. We'll have a lot of wonderful time together, get, get acquainted with each other, and it'll be good. So we come to parts of God's Word that help us to see the glory of God. And we come to parts of God's Word that help us see the sinfulness of man. We come to parts of God's Word where we see how God works among sinful man and men and women and how God works among sinful families. This is what we have as we're making our way through the book of Genesis, <clears throat> looking at what I call family matters, family secrets. We're thinking about things that otherwise we would not talk about. So what I've done is I've taken the time to uh, have us look at some things that otherwise we might move past in our study of God's Word and just uh, recognize, well, those are sins among uh, God's people and, uh, and, and think that that's enough. But all of these things have lessons to teach us about our own personal lives and the lives of our families. So we read in Genesis chapter 20, this is the chapter where Jacob meets his wife, Rachel. Wonderful story. We'll talk a little bit about it, but I'm going to read now for the sake of time and then we'll uh, keep our Bibles open and we'll go back through some of this story together. <clears throat> Genesis 29, beginning in verse number 25. This is when Jacob talks to his uncle, his father-in-law now, about how he has been deceived. He asked for his wife to be his daughter, Rachel, but He's been tricked and he now is married to Leah instead. And he says, so it came about, the word of God says, so it came about in the morning that it was Leah, verse 25. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? What is this you have done to me? And why then have you deceived me? Our focal truth today is Jacob trusted God's promised presence despite family lies. Jacob trusted God's promised presence despite family lies. That's what the choir has been leading us to think about all morning long. We thought about it in all the various hymns we've sung and 
And as the choirs just talked about how God always makes a way, He makes a way even when there are family difficulties and family troubles. And many of us have been impacted by the family lies in our past. Sometimes we struggle to get over them. The reason why, as, as your pastor, I feel like it's important for us to talk about this is because many of us are not able to move on in our spiritual life and our walk with God to maturity because we're stumbling over family secrets and family troubles. Before you dismiss that and laugh it off and say, well, it doesn't matter, I remind you that Jacob's painful words are words of broken trust. We don't feel the impact of this. He had worked for his uncle, father-in-law for seven years. That's a long time. For seven years, he'd given his uh, back to labor and working in the fields and doing whatever his uncle wanted him to do in order to have Rachel because he loved Rachel. Now he speaks these words, what is this you have done to me? What is this you have done to me? Why then have you deceived me? Shock and unbelief come from the heart and the words of Jacob because someone he trusted has lied and deceived him. That's what trust, broken trust is. It's, it's shock and unbelief that someone we trust would lie and deceive Someone that we thought loved us. These words have been spoken in families for generations. Husbands have said to their wives, why have you done this to me? Why then have you deceived me? Wives have said to their husbands, why have you deceived me? Parents have said to their children, why have you deceived me? And children have said to their parents, why have you deceived me? You see, the old, how great is the old family disease of sin. You see, all of us are sinners. And even gathered in our families of origin, in our families, we still have sin in our lives, and sin leads us to lie and, and, and to deceit. Sin and deceit live in every home, don't you? Pass this off and say, well, not mine. Be careful. Be careful. Sin and deceit live in every home. And lies and deceit come from all lips. I have been Laban and I have been Jacob. And so have you. Broken trust lives in every home. There are people today that I'm speaking to or hear my voice who have not been able to get over broken trust in a relationship they've had with someone in their family or someones in their family. This causes them great pain and trouble. It's the cares and worries of the world that the Lord Jesus said chokes out the Word of God. You try to read your Bible, but the cares and worries, all these things from your past, this brokenness, this, this bitterness, and this, the lies and deceit all rise up to choke out the effectiveness of the Word of God. Have you ever been, have you ever been deceived? Have you ever been lied to? Have you ever experienced the broken trust and the pain that comes from 
from the deceitful betrayer's kiss? Yes, the answer is you have. Some of us have tried to cover it up. Some of us just try to put it aside. It's a secret. We don't, we don't talk about it, but it affects our lives. That's why we're talking about these things. I have three observations for you today and we'll take the text. Number one, God promises Jacob his presence and protection wherever he sojourns. Secondly, Jacob the sojourner searches for a wife among his relatives. And, and where I want to spend most of my time is on this last uh, observation. Jacob was deceived by his uncle to be father-in-law concerning his desire to marry Rachel. Jacob is off now in obedience to what his parents said for him to do. He's a 40-year-old. Lots of times people we talk about, you know what the Word of God says, children obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord. And we laugh that off sometimes. Well, you know, that's good for the little boys and girls. That has to do for children at all ages because uh, what we find is this grown man, this grown man Jacob, he obeys his parents and they said, his mother said, and father, look, you've got to go find a wife among our people, not among the Canaanites. His brother Esau decided the Canaanites were fine, and he thought that was funny because he could, he could disobey his parents and ridicule them by marrying these Canaanite women. Just uh, that's what sinfulness does. It's, it's right in your face. But Jacob, as a 40-something now, goes his way. He's traveling and now he's a sojourner. I can't linger here very long, but I would just point out to you these wonderful words. And we discover, first of all, the story of Jacob's ladder. I'm not going to spend my time here, but we've, we've taught our children this and most of you have learned it. So uh, Jacob lays down. He's on his journey now from Beersheba and he's on his way east to uh, his family of origin. And, and here we find him as he's on this journey he goes to sleep and, and he has a dream and there's a ladder. I'm in chapter 28, verse 12. He has a dream and there's a ladder from, from heaven to earth and the angels are going up and down on it and at the top of the ladder, there is the Lord God who stands there above the ladder and he says to now, he speaks now through this dream to Jacob, I am the, I am the Lord God, the God of your father Abraham, God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Verse 15, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is the promise of God. Now, he experiences the same opportunity. He hears the promise of God like his fathers. Now, what will he do? This is the same with what happens in this church all the time and in churches all over the place and in the lives of people. You hear the gospel as an individual, like your mothers and fathers and grandparents and others have heard it. But what will you do with what you hear? He dreams this, and as a result of it, he is awakened and he says, he says, this place is an amazing place, verse 16. He builds the altar and calls this place Bethel, this special place. And then he makes a commitment, verse 20, if God be with me, and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. He makes a commitment. God's made the promise, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> Look, you're on a journey. 
If God be with me, he says, if God be with me and will keep me on this journey, God promises him on his journey, he'll bless him and be with him. And Jacob says, I'm going to trust this God who's blessed me and promised this to me. He's a sojourner. He joyfully sojourns in the land. The word sojourn is an interesting word and we won't spend time on trivia here, but the word sojourn simply means foot. That's what it is. They weren't driving in a car. They weren't even riding in wagons. They were walking. Sojourning is walking. You have a walk with God. You are walking with God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, walking is better than running. Walking is better because you can take it all in. Walking is pleasurable. Walking gives you a chance to consider things. He's walking with God. He's sojourning. That's what's true for every believer in this room. You're walking through the pains of your life, but you're walking with God through those pains. You're walking through the temptations of life. You're walking through the troubles of family life. Some days it's been good and some days it's been hard. Some seasons have been rewarding and rich and wonderful and others have been so painful you can't even talk about it. You're overwhelmed by it and those memories still terrorize you to this very day. Believers journey by waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus. We're on a journey here. We're all walking this way together and the Lord has permitted us at First Baptist Church for all of us in our relationships to come together for a season of time, it won't be forever. And for our families to be together, it won't be together, but we have this time. So then Jacob now sojourns on, chapter 29, verse one, Jacob is on, his, on with his journey. He's left Bethel and he's going toward the east, the sons of the east. I'm reading verse one. And he looks and he sees a well in the field. He's on his way and lo and behold, as he comes to the well, he sees some who've gathered there, some shepherds. And he says in verse four, what we always do. Hey, where are you from? Hey, where are you from? He says, where are you from? Verse four. We're from Haran. And he said, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. And he said to them, is it well with him? And they said, it's well. And why, here's Rachel. Here's Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. And we read in verse number nine, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep. And she was a, a sheep, uh, a, sh a shepherdess. And what does he do? He lifts up his eyes, he sees Rachel and realizes it's his cousin. And so he runs and he gives her the family greeting. He kisses her and he, and he weeps because now all of a sudden God has spoken to him. God has helped him. Already he's met his relatives on his way to the east at a well. He didn't even get to the city. He didn't even get to the city of Haran. And already God is speaking and lo and behold, there he meets uh, Rachel. He tells Rachel their relationship. And so when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sisters being there, he runs, meets him and they meet and they greet and they talk and Laban insists that he comes and stays with them and, and he does so. God arranges for Jacob to meet his wife at a well some of you men in here, where'd you meet your wife? God arranges it. 
Jacob rejoices that God has led him to his wife because we read here already, Jacob loves Rachel. This is in 2920, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. He loved Rachel. There wasn't anything, any sacrifice too great, any demand of his uncle, soon to be father-in-law that was too great. He sacrificed seven years because he loved Rachel. You see, Jacob trusted God to bring him to his wife and God brought him to his wife before he even got to the city of his mother. And I remind every one of you men who are in this room today and you're married, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. And I say to all of you young men who are here who aren't married yet, find a good wife and you'll be happy. Find a sinful wife and you'll be sad. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing. Now we come to the deceit of his uncle and his father-in-law. So what happens? Well, time goes by and Jacob uh, comes to Laban, verse 21, give me uh, my wife, I've done my work. So there's been some time now, seven years go by. The, the scriptures compress time sometimes. And Laban gathers all the people in the place and they made a feast, they were having a celebration it was the celebration party for their wedding. And so uh, we read that in the evening, Laban took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And then Jacob discovers that it's not Rachel, it's Leah. And he comes with these distressing words. What is this you've done to me? And why then have you deceived me? He met He met. Laban, he trusted Laban, he worked for Laban hard for seven years according to their agreement. They made an agreement, he trusted his relative who made the agreement with him only to find that his mother's brother and now his father-in-law is a liar. Laban is an example of deceitfulness. The man who stands before you, as I said to you before, I have been Laban and I have been Jacob. And I'm looking at a room full of people who have been Laban and who have been Jacob. Because you see, all of us have sinned and we find it convenient to be a deceiver and a liar when we have our own selfishness in the proper position of prominence. When I want things my way, I'll do whatever I have to do to have them whether it's lying, stealing, cheating, whatever it may be, I'll do it. I want to pause now as we're finishing and remind you of this. This is an important lesson. This is why we come today. This is a dark, deep family secret. And as your pastor today, I remind you that this sin of deceitfulness, this part of the disease of family sin has caused so much damage and cause so much pain, as I said at the beginning, I'm repeating myself, it's keeping some of you from walking on with God. Some of us have been deceived and we're so upset with ourselves and we're so upset with those who would do such a thing, we say in our minds, even the experience can be years old, why 
did this person do this to me? You see, deceitfulness, my friends, is universal. This is the common condition of the world. We live in a world of deceitfulness. That's why you say, that's why you parents, you spend the time trying to help your children know what is true and what is a lie. It's universal. All families experience it. All these lies and deceit, sometimes entire family histories have been built upon deceit. And the deceit seems to pass on from one to the other. And the sins of the fathers and the mothers and their deceitfulness have caused great, great generational pain and trouble. What I'm talking about to you today has a great impact on your family, so don't dismiss what I'm having to say. So that's for somebody else. Deceitfulness is universal, but it's personal. We deceive ourselves. The Word of God says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But the Lord knows our hearts today as we sit here and today as I speak. God knows what's in my heart and mind. God knows if there's deceitfulness and lying in me. God knows if I'm being true and living in the light and having integrity. He knows what's in your heart as you sit here or as you hear my words. We deceive ourselves. We are deceived by the devil as long as we live under his power in our lostness. That's where the world is. Deceived and blinded by Satan and we deceive one another and we live in a world of deceit and lies. Just go to work tomorrow and find out what you see. So deceitfulness is universal. It's personal, but oh, it's sinful, my friends. Deceivers are liars and users and abusers and controllers. This is Laban. This is Laban, the liar. Laban, the user. He sees Jacob. Wait a minute. Look at this young buck. I can do a lot with him. Wow. I can even get rid of Leah that I can't get anybody to marry. I can do a lot with this guy. User. User Laban. Laban the user finds a good opportunity to take advantage of someone who doesn't have what he has. Controller, liars, users. Proverbs says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. You can count on this. When someone does evil in the family, they're filled with deceit and lies. The Word of God says, he who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. You see, that's what happens. We act like we love people, but we hate them and we destroy them with our deceit. Deceitfulness is universal, personal, sinful, and it's also painful. I'm speaking to a group of people in this room and I could speak and circle upon circle, concentric circle out to the entire world. There are people who live their entire lives seeking, seeking revenge toward those who have deceived them. It's caused warfare all across the world. It's caused nations to fight against nations. Why do you think Esau, later the Edomites, hated Israel so much? It was generational. It was a family matter that was never made right. Deceitfulness is painful. The Word of God says that a lying tongue... Now listen to Pastor Micah. A lying tongue hates those it crushes. 
You can count on the fact that if you're lying to someone, you hate them and you are seeking to do what you can to destroy them. Laban had the advantage over Jacob. While he's a stranger, he's got only what he's got on his back. He's got a bag. He came from Beersheba and here he is. And Jacob is the, the stranger is taken advantage of the, by the homeboy Laban, who's got it all. Got the flocks, got the money, got the, got the, got the girls, got the daughters, got the sons, he got it all. God will judge all liars and deceivers, including the father of lies, the devil. His day is coming. So what do we remember today as we go from this place? Well, believers live in the joy of the promise of the Lord's presence. Listen, this is the best news for you today as you sojourn with your family in this world filled with deceit. You know, here's the trouble with our families. We lie to each other and then we live in a world filled with lies. We got to find some truth. We find it in the word of God and in the words of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. He says, as he's about to ascend to heaven, you better put this somewhere. Maybe you ought to put this on your phone when all the cares and worries, maybe put this on your phone to ring about every four hours or so. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you hear me, church? Whatever you're going through, whatever your troubles might be, the blessed Lord Jesus says, I am with you always. Oh, far greater is this blessing and promise to us than even the promise of God to Jacob. We live on this side. We are those who've been saved by the gospel truth of the Lord's death, his burial and his resurrection and his ascension and he is soon coming again. We live in the promised presence of the Lord, whatever we go through in our families. Believe God's truthfulness and his promises, not the devil's lies not the world's lies, and certainly not the family lies that you've grown up hearing. Trust God when you have been deceived by someone in your family. Someone comes to me, and they have throughout my ministry, in genuine sincerity, Pastor, what do I do about the way I've been treated? You forgive. You trust God to deal with with those who deceive you. What else do you do? It's here on the screen, Luke 6, 28. Our Lord, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Some families, it's hard. They grow up and you see one generation of children were cursed and cussed like a junkyard dog and they don't know any different. And so they cuss and curse their children. Just one after the other. And you might come from a family of people who've cussed you and cursed you, belittled you, told you of your insignificance and your unimportance all of your life. And now you've come to know Jesus. And the question is, what will you do toward that one who has treated you like you've been treated? Well, you're a Christian now. You don't retaliate like they do. You don't do to them what they've done to you. Our Lord said to us, these are family practices now. Treat others as you would like to be treated. 
Treat others not like you've been treated. Treat others like you desire to be treated. And bless them who curse you. How hard it is, isn't it? I know what I'm saying today. I'm not foolish about what I'm talking to you about. I'm not ignorant of the fact that this is hard to do. But this is our command from our Lord. Oh, I want my family to be right. Good. Start by blessing those who curse you. Oh, and pray for those who mistreat you. By the way, it's in the present tense. And finally, always tell the truth. Boys and girls, I heard these words as a young man and I've taught them to my children and grandchildren. Maybe your mom and dads have taught you the same or your grandparents. Tell the truth even if it hurts. Tell the truth even if it hurts. Don't be a liar. Don't be a deceiver. And here's the way Peter said it. Put away all malice. You know what? When you've been treated bad, you start to have malice. You get bitter. You get revengeful. You get hateful. You get angry. You get critical. Malice. Put away your malice, Peter says to believers. Put it away. It's not helping you in your relationship with your family. Put away all malice and all deceit and all your pretending, your hypocrisy. That's what the Lord has called us to do. Because here's what He does. What did the choir sing? They sang it, they sang it, they sang it. God makes a way through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, I don't understand it. There's a mystery to it all. But those who follow the Lord Jesus and trust Him. See, Jacob trusted God when he said, I'm going to be with you. And as a result of that, God took him and did all kinds of... We haven't seen all the things he's done that he did for Jacob. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And as a result of that, he discovered the blessing of living with the, in the presence of God. So you might be in a hard place in your... You might be a teenager and your family life is really hard. Your mom and dad don't care about things of God, but you pray for them. They pray for them. Don't criticize them. Don't belittle them. Don't be angry with them. Just pray for them. Be the best son or daughter you can be. Love your mom and dad, even though they're sometimes hard to live with. By the way, teenager, you're sometimes hard to live with, even if you're a Christian. Love your mom and dad and obey them. Do what is right. And remember, you think you're in a pinch at home, don't you? The Lord said, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. I'm here. I'm here. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door. And we pray, come Lord Jesus.